we have to understand you know who makes it again into the classroom through literature or physically as a teacher or as students who is included in the process of knowledge creation knowledge production and whose voices are ever excluded Welcome to Open Science Bites, the open science podcast of the University of Groningen, highlighting best practices and challenges academics experience when being open in their teaching and research. This episode will focus on open educational resources. In a nutshell, open educational resources are learning, teaching and research materials in any format and medium that reside in the public domain. In other words, they are free to use for anyone. In this episode, Rashid Gabdulakov, Assistant Professor at the Centre for Media and Journalism Studies at the Faculty of Arts, shares his views on and experiences with open education. To develop two fully open online courses, Rashid collaborated with the IWPR, the Institute for War and Peace Reporting. I come from Uzbekistan, a Central Asian country, and together we came up with a couple of courses during the pandemic. We created two free online courses eight weeks long each with some assignments that help people comprehend the uh, information. One of the courses focused on relying on online artifacts in research. The idea was to demonstrate how online artifacts can be used to produce new knowledge and to engage in exciting studies. The second course focused on how to navigate exactly the Western uh, system of knowledge production Based on my own experience, because I received my PhD at Erasmus University here in the Netherlands, based on my own experience of publishing in Western academia, I shared some of the tips. The idea was to help scholars beyond the West or in my beloved region of Central Asia get involved and produce more knowledge. Of course, this was done with the understanding that there are barriers. You have to know English. Most of the information we produce is in the English language. Uh, most of the journals are unfortunately <laughs> located in the West as well, you know, for the field of media especially. But at least to help people who want to participate, who, you know, who have agency already to help them navigate the system. So if you're interested in experimenting with open educational resources, where do you start? So first ask yourself some questions. Yeah? To whom is this course beneficial? Who is your audience? Uh, who will mediate the course as well? Yeah? On whose platform will it will it exist? Making a course, of course, is one level. Another level is reaching your audience. Yeah? How are people going to find out that this course even exists? So you always need to think a couple of steps ahead. As a media scholar, I always think in this terms but of publicity, but you really need this outreach as well. And in my case, in my experience, Kabar Asia and IWPR also came in Uh, really actively in spreading this across social media platforms and making this media campaign for the course that attracted quite a few students, yeah, let's call them students, but quite a few people who followed the course and went went through it. It also helps that at the end you receive a certificate. I mean, it's not a university-level certificate. It doesn't guarantee you any credits anywhere, but it's still a reward that you went through the course... What challenges did Rashid encounter when creating the online courses? The major obstacle was that you have to be very precise in 
your video material when you're recorded. Because in class, you know, you can build upon some common discussion, make a bit of small chat, warm up the group. You are deprived of that opportunity in a video class, of course. So you have to be to the point automatically and very precise. Another challenge was, of course, that you don't see the audience, so there is no feedback. And you just hope that you are um, inclusive enough that it will land with a variety of audiences. Finally, the third challenge was technology, because you have to be a bit of technologically savvy to produce this uh, video material. And it it took a bit of um, learning myself, yeah, so I started... I did a bit of research, just just short one, you know, how to best position myself, what equipment, a microphone, some bloggers light. My wife was making fun of me for that, of course. <laughs> now you're a blogger. And uh, we had a kid actually in September, right amidst the recording of, of these online courses. So with a child at home, that was another, another um, challenge. So I had to do it, uh, you know, while the light is still shining, but also when the kid is sleeping or is uh, taking a, a walk outside. We, we are so overworked, yeah, you constantly you're either teaching or researching and it's a cycle and there is very little time for a family even in academia. Yeah, it's a, not a, it's a quite an open discussion that um, these problems are present. And when you engage in something extra, of course, as rewarding as it is, it requires a bit of time. So I think it's a matter of balancing. Yeah, you have to make sure you understand how much you can do and be at peace with that. So while we might have these great ideas and strive for making a change, we also need to be easy on ourselves and try to come up with something that we can manage at the end of the day to make sure that we complete it after all and that we're also satisfied. Yeah. So ideally, I would do a course in multiple languages and maybe several courses, but I was able to produce two in this period of time, and I'm at peace with that. How could universities alleviate these challenges or support academics experimenting with open educational resources? So this question exactly of what university can do to support is first maybe to instigate an inclusive conversation so we can understand the needs, what is needed to begin with, what do people want to do and what is a barrier. So what prevents them in a way from doing it? Is it time? Is it technology? Is it What is it? So we need to identify the desires, ideas, we need to identify the barriers, and then there will be a better understanding of how the university and in what manner can facilitate the creation of open access knowledge. I think it has to do with two levels. On the one level, you need to give people time. Yeah, Time is, is the, the most scarce resource for academics. You need to give people time. And second, you need to give people the ability to acquire these tools, to acquire a variety of tools, you know, some theoretical, practical, learn from each other in the process. What motivates Rashid in being open with his research and teaching? Rashid had no doubts that diversity and inclusion are his main drivers. Being an open academic means struggling to me, struggling with the system, because I see that there, is a, there are quite a few issues in the knowledge production system that have to do with different types of barriers, linguistic, gendered, national, ethnic. So if you value open access, that means that you have to fight with the system in a way. 
And so to me, this is what it means. And it can be done, of course, at the individual level, but it's much easier when there is collaboration with colleagues or when there is institutional support. We have to understand, you know, who makes it, again, into the classroom through literature or physically as a teacher or as students, who is included in the process of knowledge creation, knowledge production, and whose voices are ever excluded. So to me, this touches upon both, again, issues of gender, ethnicity, nationality, um, health issues, how accessible are our universities, um, but also whose literature are we bringing in to define concepts. What I notice, for instance, in my own experience is that in, in the media um, field, a lot of the theoretical concepts are produced in the West. So a lot of the theory, a lot of conceptual, conceptualization is produced in the West. And these theories are then contextualized in the so-called global South. To me, that creates a limit. First of all, it's, it's an unfair system. Second of all, we are limited to the system where these cookie-cutter approaches may not necessarily fit the reality elsewhere. So what I would <laughs> encourage to do is to produce theories also beyond the Western world and to consider how this how people beyond the West can be can regain agency or gain agency in conceptualizing and in also producing theories that we here at Western institutions can then also rely upon so that the system is not just one-sided, it's more fair, and in all reality, it's more logical, it's more adequate, and it brings us closer to truth, which is the main aim of science anyways. This was Open Science Bites, the open science podcast of the University of Groningen. Thank you very much for listening. Join us for our next episode for advice from our open education specialists on how to get started with open education material. Open Science Bites is produced by the University of Groningen Library with technical support of Wim Brons.